1: If you had the opportunity to take, say, a helicopter ride over a certain jungle area of Borneo. We're talking about the, the uttermost lands of the earth, right? And you had an opportunity to kind of spy from above and see what was going on. You might look at this very densely populated jungle area. And when I say population, I'm referring to all of the trees and the, 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 the fauna. You might look at it and say... What is this huge clearing here? Why are all these buildings here? It seems to somewhat be out of place. How can anybody possibly create this miniature city in the middle of a jungle? Were you to then land your helicopter and get a chance to walk in amongst the people? See the buildings and witness firsthand what was going on in this special clearing of land in the jungles of Borneo and ultimately conclude to yourself, you must have landed in the middle of a miracle zone. There is a book out. We've talked about it before called Miracle Zone in the jungles of Borneo. It is written by one of my guests today in studio. He is the founder of Living Waters Village. Ronnie Haybor, and also joining us today in studio, is the son of the co-author of the book, Gentleman Who Needs No Introduction to the KFAX Audience, Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. Dad wrote the book, and Pastor Leighton, great to see you once again. Thank you. It's good to be back. Before we meet Ronnie... This was a lifelong burden of your father, the notion of getting the gospel into all of the world. And even though he pastored a church in Daly City in San Bruno for more than half a century, right. his heartbeat for dissemination of the gospel, true discipleship, and training up pastors to be more effective at what God called them to do had been part of his DNA. And down through the years, my goodness, Highlands has been involved and setting up Christian colleges and universities in the Ukraine and, and certainly your dad's work for many years in Borneo. Talk to me a bit about your, your sense of what God is doing and why this mission mission's work was so critically important to the heartbeat of your dad and the local ministry of Church of the Highlands.
2: Well, dad is the founder of Church of the Highlands. Uh, it was a missionary at heart. In fact, he and Mom, as I understand it, had an apartment uh, already ready for them in Hong Kong, took a temporary assignment in San Francisco, and that lasted 60 years until God took him home, or whatever the case might be. Uh, He did uh, work uh, with uh, Dr. Charlie Weston in training up uh, church leaders in Africa. Uh, He worked with the church across the bay in establishing St. James College, in the ukraine which actually produced hundreds of church leaders that minister all throughout the former soviet union so in our present situation we've got graduates that are ministering on both sides of the uh, of the chaos um when uh, he had a chance to get acquainted with uh ronnie here um uh, he asked ronnie uh, has anyone written about what's taking place here and uh and, and and it was important to glorify God because uh what Ronnie experienced and, and what what happened is God produced a lot of miracles in order to establish this beautiful city. When you when you come you look at it it's a city uh that brings light in one of the darkest places on the face of the earth. And so uh that's the bit of the background on my dad. A little bit of background on on the book as well.
1: And um, Ronnie Haybor, I'm I'm curious. Wh- what's a nice boy from Holland <laughs> via Australia? Wind up in literally in the middles of the jungle of Borneo and, and looking at this plot of land that would be to, to, the, to the naked eye impossible to try and develop, let alone create medical facilities, schools, housing, Bible training, life skills training, all of that in the middle of the jungle of Borneo. How does that even happen?
3: Yeah, correct. How does that even happen? <laughs> Actually, you got it wrong. I'm an Australian and I lived in Holland for 10 years and then went back to Australia. So, But that's all good. Um, and then from Australia, God just um, told us to pack up, sell up and follow him. And we had no idea what that really meant. We just wanted to serve God and wherever that he wanted to take us. So we went to Bible college to prepare us a little bit. And then after that, we said, look, wherever you want us to go, China, Russia, Africa, you know, wherever. Um, and um, and then a door opened in, in Borneo. I didn't even know where it was, actually. I had to look it up on the map to see where Borneo was. But it was a, at an all-night prayer meeting that God challenged us to sort of go to Borneo. And then um, found that, uh, did a little bit more research, and I found out that the uh, tribal people are Dayox. And so we really started to develop a, um, a desire to follow what God whatever it was that God had for us and it, it seemed like Borneo and so we asked our church uh, um, leaders and um, the uh, missions committee and everything everybody to you know is, is this of God or is it just because we're adventurous and we want to just do whatever and uh, they really took it to the Lord in prayer and, and they came back and they said no we really believe that this is where God wants you to be so we ended up going there in 95 and and then but, but the aim was to really mm, preach the gospel gospel to all these tribal people that are animists right and they believe in all sorts of spirits in the tree in the sun and the river and the ancestral worship and all that sort of thing and then lo and behold we as we were sharing the gospel with them people were starting to receive Christ and so we were just overwhelmed, but the other thing that we found was, although churches were starting to be established, there amongst amongst various tribes, because there are about 400 different tribes on the island that belong to the Dayak people, then all of a sudden we saw all these children that nobody wanted. They, they were sort of uh, dumped in a jungle, uh, left on their own to fend for themselves. Essentially orphans. Yeah, well, they weren't always orphans. They just weren't wanted anymore. A lot of what we found out and still happens today is a lot of them, they divorce, uh, the parents divorce, and then they want to get remarried. And then the new husband or new wife don't want the children from the former marriage. And then they just dump them. And so it doesn't matter whether you're four years old or six years old, eight years old. You know, we don't want you anymore. And, and for us it's really difficult to understand but, but you know life is really cheap over there because they don't know the Lord they don't know the value of life you see the value of life only become, you know, we understand the value of life once we get to know this God who who's created us who loves us so much I, I always say you know every every child is created in the image of God and God has got a wonderful plan and a purpose for every kid right and so he's not and that doesn't mean to say that they're to be dumped in the jungle and left and defend for themselves if They're strong, they'll make it, and if they're weak, well, they just die, and who cares? Or they get sold off by the witch doctor if they're a girl, nine, ten, eleven years old, and get their first period. They get sold off by the witch doctor, and you, as a parent, don't have a say in this because he he controls the people. He has such a a, a demonic influence on the people, and then the parents get a couple of pigs in exchange for their little girl. And then you know, and I used to come go home and rejoice that people were receiving Christ, but at the same time weeping. and I'd say, God, these kids, you know, and there's so many of them. And then God very clearly said one day, you know, we'll bring them in. <laughs> and I said, bring them in? Bring them in where? And he said, bring them into your your home. I go, God, I can barely make ends meet myself with my family, so how am I going to bring them in? And he goes, you bring them in, Ronnie, and, and I'll look after the rest so the rest is all history it's just grown from there and uh, God challenged our faith stretched our faith to believe that nothing is impossible with God I mean we often sing it and read it and, and hear it but do we actually believe that that nothing is impossible with God and so we, God stretched our faith by bringing in kids first were 7 and then 30 and then 70 and, and every time at the end of the month you know enough money turned up in our account not too much not too little just enough to pay the bills and so God was showing us, look, I can do it. You, you, you just keep on believing and stepping out in faith and, and I'll look after the rest.
1: And that really is the key, isn't it? I mean, as you were talking, I'm thinking, it's not just a matter of believing. It's living it. Beca- it yeah. Because you're, you're, you're taking a risk every single day, a calculated risk. And, and, and Pastor Layton, I mean, in In the flesh, the inclination the natural inclination would be well let 's go to a place that 's westernized that 's convenient that looks familiar it won 't be that difficult. We can go rent a church and pass out some brochures, invite a speaker to come in we 'll do a little a little evangelistic rally, something of that sort, and that 'll be our definition of of planting a church and yet here a scenario where The most difficult set of circumstances, number one, none of the infrastructure is there, let alone not only none of the infrastructure, but none of the cultural supports. You're bringing essentially a foreign message to a foreign land under hostile circumstances. Most people would look at that and say, you've picked the most impossible scenario. But I would suppose under the most impossible scenario, that's where God and his power thrives the most.
2: Absolutely, and where it's the most obvious, the light shine, shines dark, uh, most in the in the darkness. And, uh, you know, what what God did there, uh, as Ronnie uh, underscores, is nothing short of miraculous. There's no other explanation how what has been accomplished there could be accomplished except that God is at work. In fact, he's got some wonderful stories he shared with the congregation yesterday about uh, uh, others <laughs> observing. Uh, I remember the story about uh, the teachers that came, and they they wanted to know how how this was done. Um, so, um, you know, th- there are different models that work in in different scenarios, and um, in in the case of the jungles of Borneo, it was nothing short of a miracle. Um, and what's being done there is that young people are being raised up to know and love Christ Jesus, and then going back to the villages deep in the jungles to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, uh, you know, one of the uh, prophecies concerning Jesus Christ's return, which I think more and more of us are realizing is probably very, very soon, uh, is that the gospel is going to be preached to the far ends of the earth, and it's taking place today.
1: Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highland San Bruno, along with Ronnie Haybor from Living Waters Village in Borneo. My special guests on this special edition of Lifeline. A brief time out back with more as the conversation continues.
0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: Welcome back to Lifeline. Craig Roberts, along with some very special guests today in studio, including Ronnie Haybor with Living Waters Village of Borneo and Pastor Leighton Sheely, Senior Pastor at Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. Pastor Sheely, let's pick up the conversation where we left off just a moment ago. What, what strikes me in the opening pages of Miracle Zone in the jungles of Borneo, your, your father writes about his first impression and how overwhelming that must have been that that brilliance of the light of the gospel, and, and, and to your point that, that maybe can give encouragement to those that are eavesdropping on our conversation today, that sense that as we look around us, we read the headline news, we see what's going on on television every night, and we think the darkness, the darkness just seems to be overwhelming because of, of wars and rumors of wars and violence and young people dying violent deaths, you know, cut down in their prime, all of it, and we think to ourselves we're just so overwhelmed by of the darkness and yet maybe the real message here, particularly most poignant for believers, is that in over in order to overcome the darkness, what we need to do is turn on the light. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody comes home after after an evening now with your spouse, and you come back to the house in the evening, and we complain about, gee, we open the front door, put the key in the door, open the door, say, it's awfully dark in here. What's the first thing you do? You turn on a light. Maybe mm-hmm. the message here for the church today is that we need to do a better job at turning on the light.
3: Uh, well, uh, we need to be doers of God's Word, not just read, reading God's Word and singing God's Word. We have to do it. And you see, and the doing part is the most difficult part because you have to often step out of your comfort zone, you know, and that's what people don't, people don't like change, people don't like to step out into somewhere, the unknown, especially if it's, you know, going to be uh, so, so different than what you're used to and, um... You know but but the reality is that, that you know you if you are supposed to shine for jesus we 're all supposed to shine for Jesus. Well, this world desperately needs the Lord everywhere i mean you don 't have to go to Borneo for that I mean you can just stay here and also there 's plenty of stuff that you could do here to shine for the Lord in a dark area but you know, um, over there, if you go into the interior, there, there are no churches. There are no there are no Christians. There is no Bible there. There's no nothing. There's just there's just the witch doctors who lord it over the people there, and so these people don't know any different. They've never heard another that there is a God who loves them, and so when they often find out that there is a God who created them, really. And, and he loves them, and he sent his son and, and offered him uh, up and so that whoever will believe in him never has to make another sacrifice again. They know about sacrifices. They do this every day. Every day they put food near this tree for the spirit of the tree and put food near the river for the spirit of the river. And while their own children are hungry, the, you know all these spirits have to be taken care of first. And so they have no idea that there is another God, that there is, that there is a God who created them. What? And so when they hear that for the first time, a lot of them are just absolutely stunned and overwhelmed. Right? And I remember one day when I was sharing this at this really remote tribe there, and these people were all coming to have a look at this weird guy a white man with a big long nose and uh, but they already heard that somebody was going to come and tell them about this great spirit they knew nothing about because they had all these other spirits so they were, all came from various tribes all together there and look i the, the tribal chief invited me to come now you don't just go with anybody because there's still some hostile tribes there but i just felt that the holy spirit was saying go with this guy you know don't you forget what you've planned for today just go with this guy so It took us hours in the canoe to get to the place there, but once we got there, you know, and all these various tribes came together to hear this message that this... this strange man was going to come and speak about this spirit that they knew nothing about and then I just I had no idea what I was going to say honestly I really I wasn't prepared for this day but but I just because um, I thought you know how do you communicate with these people if you if you don't understand their culture just yet because every every tribe is a different culture and so you, you often have to sort of bring the word of God in picture form to them you can't just open up the word of God and say Jesus the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world they haven't got a clue what a lamb is so there's no there are no lambs there so how do you explain what a lamb is so uh, you have to bring it in a in a different way and so when the tribal chief said to finally to me he said okay you get up now and you speak and I thought God I I don't even know what I'm to share you I, I don't even have a picture or nothing and then um, and then I uh, I stood up and I thought I've got two choices here one run for my life (laughs) I
0: didn't know know where I was
3: and that wasn't an option but really um, I realized that that the Lord had called me to be there for for a purpose and so I said okay Uh, in in my mind I said okay Lord I I have no picture yet at all and um, I'm here now so thank you I'll just grab you by the hand and give me the words to speak just like you did with John and Peter you know when they're standing in front of the Sanhedrin and you gave them the words to speak as well Lord I need that as well. So I thank you that you'll do that. And I made the first step and the first step to go forward, God gave me a picture. And I I learned something that day. I thought God doesn't push us into submission or pull us or hit us into submission, but he actually waits for us to take the first step to mm-hmm. trust in him, to, you know, be- believe that he's there with you and he he's not going to leave you on your own to make a fool of yourself. And so I, I walked at the front, and I didn't even didn't even uh, introduce myself. I just said, "Look, there is this great spirit, out, creator of the heavens and the earth." I said, "And you can't see him." I said, "But just imagine that he's here on the left." I said, "This great spirit, you know, who, and he loves us. He, he's created us, and he loves us so so much, right?" And then, and so, and he he represents a, a life and eternal life and joy and happiness and and, and health and all that. that. That's him," I said he represents that i said but there's actually another spirit an evil spirit and you can't see him often as well i said but he's just imagine he's on the right here i said and and this evil spirit represents death and war and jealousy and all those ghastly things that's him i said but did you know that every day when you bow down to the spirit of the tree and the spirit of the river actually you're bowing down to this evil spirit here and you've got your back turned to the creator the great spirit who created you I said, and he grieves when he sees us do that. Well, these people—you could just tell—they were just completely stunned at this. And I said, you know what? I said, but he sent his only son to to the earth, and I said, and, and and sacrificed him. That whoever would believe in him would never have to make a sacrifice again. Would embrace him, and then would have this wonderful relationship with him what he intended for us to have all along I said so many years ago I made a decision because people came and told me what I'm telling you now you know I made a decision to do away with them and to receive him I received him in my life and I did away with him I said now you've got that opportunity now as well to do away with him and to receive him you can't add him to your collection here with the other g- spirits that you have I said it's either him or them mm-hmm. so so that's up to you I can't, I can't help you with that I said I just Come here to give you that um, information well. I tell you what, the old people got up and they ran forward and fell at my feet, weeping and saying, oh, Great Spirit, we did not know that you existed. We did not know we weren't allowed to do these things. Oh, please forgive us. And they're crying, and, and I'm crying, looking at them, I'm crying, and I'm thinking, hey, uh, God, I just, you know, what do I do what, I do? what do I do now? And then more and more people started to come, and they all fell on their feet, on their, on their knees, and some lay on the floor, weeping, crying, you know, saying, forgive me, forgive me, and so I'm, I'm weeping there as well, because I'm thinking God, I just could have missed this opportunity so badly, because I had my whole day planned already, and yet you had a plan for these people they were ripe for the picking now all it took was just somebody to come there and share with them, right and it just happened to be me, white man with a long nose well. <laughs> I thought, you know, and yet, they, and, they, and they received the Lord, and, and then I thought, you know how many more of these tribes are just waiting for somebody to come and and share this with us, you know, with them, so that they too can find out that there is a great Spirit who who created them as well and loves them and wants, you know, a relationship with them. And then I thought, you know, wherever we live, there are people that think that there's no hope. You know, neighbors. I just came across somebody who said the other day, "I live here already ten years. I'm a Christian. I live here for ten years, and my neighbors don't even know that I'm a Christian." And I go, "What?" how how can you be a light you're supposed to be a light and I'm not saying that you grab the Bible and bash on the doors and then bash them over the heads and tell them they're disgusting sinners and they need to have Jesus otherwise right but you know you've got to build bridges then you've got to build relationships with people you've got to show them that you that the Lord Jesus lives in you how do people know that you know, well, people can just tell, they can see the way you treat them, the way you love people, the way you care for them, the way you do, go out of your way to make a difference in their lives. And, you know, and so there's always hope, and that hope we have Jesus in us. So that's here in, 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 in California, that's, that's at, at our place, it's around the world. So we, we all, all of us who say that Christian, we need to learn to step out in faith. We need to be doers of God's word instead of just reading and you know, and get out of your comfort zone. You, sometimes you have to.
1: And that's it. so key. And I want you to take a moment, please, and give us the sense of how you begin, how you take that first step, right? They say every journey begins with the first step. That so many believers recognize that we have a responsibility to share our faith, wish to do so, but are paralyzed by fear. They know that they can trust God, but they've never experienced that trust relationship because they've never stepped out in blind faith. If you've just joined us, some special guests with me today in studio, including Ronnie Haybor from Living Waters Village of Borneo, along with Pastor Leighton Sheely, Senior Pastor at Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. Let's take a brief time out. We'll come back to more of our conversation as Lifeline continues in just a moment.
0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: Welcome back to Lifeline, Craig Roberts, along with some very special guests today in studio, including Ronnie Haybor with Living Waters Village of Borneo and Pastor Layton Sheely, senior pastor at Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. Ronnie, let's pick up the conversation where we left off just a moment ago the example that you share, Ronnie, of, well, I've got my day planned out. This is going to completely upset those plans. I don't have anything prepared. I don't know what to say to them. How is this going to happen? I'm going to go down there and be embarrassed if I even get out of there alive. And yet you took that first step. And some listening right now will say, oh, but Craig, you know, he's got experience doing this. But wait a minute, though. What about the next door neighbor that you pass by, maybe even wave to every single day? who's hurting. Maybe they've just gotten word that the husband has lost his job and they are fearful for what the potential financial consequences to their family might be. Maybe somebody in that family has just received a diagnosis of cancer. They're terrified. They 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 know of death, but they also know that they're not ready to meet death. And so here is a family that is hurting, that is confused, that is seeking answers doesn't know where to turn not realizing that somebody with the knowledge of all of this is residing right next door if they would only be bold enough to take that first step and trust God that when they go to speak he will give the words Daughter. how do we how do we
3: take yeah, that Greg, first step? often what see i i put it back down to people's relationship with god you see if they're in love with the lord if they're following him if they you know spending time with him every day you know i know we live all in a busy we all have busy lives but like i get up at four o'clock in the morning if i don't do that i don't i can't have quality time with the lord on my own you know my day starts at uh, the kids get up at five o 'clock five thirty we have a prayer meeting all together over there so and then it 's until ten o 'clock at night until I go to bed there 's no stopping so I'd, I would like to have that quality time with God on my own, and so I do that at four o 'clock that works for me for some people it works at night or in the afternoon or whatever, but for me it works at four o 'clock so but I have that time that quality I want to have that time on my own with God and I, I get a cup of coffee and then I sit there and i you know sometimes the Lord is so He's right there with me so tangible you know and I, I i am overwhelmed with his presence then and sometimes it just seems like he 's far away but you know God gives us his word and from his word he he reveals himself a little bit more and a little bit more every day I always say we only know God a little bit of who he really is but the more time I believe you spend the same as with your family with your spouse you know the more time you spend with your with your family your spouse your kids and all that the better you get to know them usually so so if you get to know god you know then then god will reveal that to you you know hey there's a neighbor out there you know he will prompt a a thought or a feeling or whatever in your in your life all of a sudden or he will show you something you know to pay attention to this you know just react now to this just knock on the door and just and just uh let them know that you you know that you're here for them or whatever but but god god does that you know, the Holy Spirit will let you know. And so the same with, with when I went to that village, it wasn't because I thought it was a great idea. It was really clearly that the Holy Spirit was saying, forget what you, what you had planned today. I want you to go with this guy. You know, and so we, uh, you don't just go with anybody. Like I said, I mean, there's hostile tribes around, so I didn't want to go just like... But I just knew that the Holy Spirit was saying, you know, get go with this guy. And I think if we again it boils back to your personal relationship with God you know how how much in love are you with him how much does he is he really number one uh, in your life or or is, is somebody else you know yesterday I spoke about in Mark, um, uh, where, where Jesus said, you know, if, you tr- if you're truly my disciple, then, in comp- um, then you need to love me more, more in comparison to your father, mother, sister, brother, kids and all that, right? It's not saying that he, he didn't say, you know, you hate your family, you've got to care for your family, but he has to be number one in your life. And and if if that's your desire, your passion to get to know God intimately, then he will also speak to you regularly and show you what you should do or not do.
1: And that sense of fear, I think, just goes hand in glove with what you're saying in terms of our capacity to be able to, to share our faith or to share Christ with others. I mean, if I said to you, Pastor Sheely, tell me about Mrs. Sheely. In short order, you could tell me what restaurants she likes, what her favorite colors are, what kind of TV shows she enjoys watching, uh, all of it. Why? Because you've taken the time to know her. You have a relationship with her, which you have fostered down through the years that allows you on a moment's notice to answer virtually any question. And yet I think the irony is for so many Christians, they hesitate sharing their faith, even though they know that, yeah, I understand the neighbor's going through a tough time. But, I, you know, I, don't, I didn't go to Bible college like Pastor Sheely did, so I'm ill-equipped. I'm not really good at memorizing Scripture. Oh, I get all the verses and chapters confused, and I, I don't want to embarrass myself. And so we use those as a pretext to not share our faith when maybe what's really taking place here is we have a difficult time talking about Jesus before others because he is largely to us a stranger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you think that's true?
2: I do. I think that's true. I also think that people have a propensity to desire to operate in their comfort zone mm. and they're familiar with. And um, you cannot really live by faith as long as you stay in your comfort zone because by faith will require you by definition to step out of your comfort zone and uh, that, that is something that many people are very hesitant to consider doing
1: and it really comes down to that faith factor and and that incapacity to sort of exercise our faith muscle because we never allow ourselves to be put into a set of circumstances. We're almost protective that way. Go to Borneo. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. There's no improved roads there. My church doesn't have a missions plant there. No, 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 no. I don't know the culture, the language, none of it. That's an impossibility. Well, now you set up a scenario where you're sure to never take that bold step of faith. Because you make sure that you never step out of your comfort zone. It seems to me, Ronnie, that very early on in that calling, many years ago, you and your spouse, your family recognized, wow, Borneo, God, seriously, really? Lord, that's really going to require us to step out of our comfort zone.
3: Yeah, well, we actually never thought of it like that. We just were ready to do whatever. Probably good. Uh, I remember.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, probably good, yeah, yeah, just as well. Yes, yeah.
3: so often I say, you know, I mean, uh, I, I, you know, if you're waiting for God to sort of send you a piece of paper with all the instructions mm. and all the things are going, well, then you're probably going to run the other way, like uh, like a um, Jonah, right? But you know, I remember a, 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 a brother in our church before we left to go to Borneo, and he goes, Ronnie, you are absolutely crazy. Who, in their right mind, will go to Borneo?
1: And and take their family.
3: Yeah, well, and that's what he said. Go to Borneo. He said, for you to go to Borneo, okay, but you're taking your wife and your kids? You're absolutely crazy. Don't you know that, well, they could eat you there, you know, the cannibals there. And if they don't eat you, he said, you could die of malaria, typhoid, or, you know, whatever disease they, they have over there. So, you're absolutely crazy, you know. And I said to him, well, you know... I totally, I totally get it. I said you are absolutely right. You shared already a few things why I shouldn't go, and I can share a few more. I'm sure there are hundreds of reasons why I shouldn't go. But you forget, I said one thing. He's set to go now. I've got two choices: listen to him or listen to you and people like you. <laughs> so I get it. You know, they 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 look at the scenario then, and they're they're worried. And a lot of people are worried, you know, um, in in situations like that. Worried of of the unknown. And this is why people don't want to step out in faith either because, you know, what will people say or what will people do? You know, you could end up in jail or you can end up being killed. Or, yes, well, all that is absolutely possible. If you look at all the missionaries in the past, now many of them, you know, um, died on the field or their families died on the field. But are you still willing to go? I mean, when God says, I've learned... You know, when God tells you to do something, you've got two options. You either do it or you don't. And But I've learned already that if you do it, if you obey God... And you, you go with him, knowing full well he's, he's going to be there with you. He's not, he's not going to tell you to go and then go, oh, now I'd like to see them, you know, uh, how they're going to do that. He's there with you all a step of the way. And he doesn't promise that everything is going to be smooth sailing either. You know, we've had lots of situations in our in our ministry there that our lives have been on the line, we've ended up in jail there. You know, all sorts of things have happened. And yet God was always there with me, Always. And so um, it is important that we, you know, that we don't live in that fear. Then that's why God says fear doesn't come from Him. You know, so don't allow those things then to to um, uh, stop you from doing what God has has, has t- told you to do. So as you obey God, you know, I've learned that then people will actually be blessed as a result of your obedience. But if you disobey God, then often people will miss out. You know what you were supposed to do, and supposed to help these people to find the Lord, and, and and they're not going to now because you didn't obey. Well. I, I, you know, I always say we're all going to stand before the throne of God one day, and we have to give an account on what we we, we have done, and what what is He going to say? You know, I, I asked you to do this, and you didn't do it. Why? Right? And as a result of that, these people are not here.
1: Well, and, and so, sadly, I think it sets up a scenario where so often people are operating not in a spirit of faith, but rather a spirit of fear. They they struggle trusting God. Because they've never allowed, as Pastor Sheely said a moment ago, they've never allowed themselves to step out of their comfort zone where they had to trust God. Because they, they turn around, there's nobody else standing behind them but God. And because they're not willing to step out of their comfort zone, they've never seen God fully unleashed, so to speak, in 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 the manner in which he will bring miracles and protection and do beyond your wildest dreams when it comes to whatever it is it's calling he's calling you to do. Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands, San Bruno, along with Ronnie Habor from Living Waters Village in Borneo. My special guests on this special edition of Lifeline. A brief time out back with more as the conversation continues.
0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: Welcome back to Lifeline. Craig Roberts, along with some very special guests today in studio, including Ronnie Haybor with Living Waters Village of Borneo and Pastor Layton Sheely, Senior Pastor at Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. Gentlemen, let's pick up the conversation where we left off just prior to the break. Now... In that fear factor, you know, the scripture tells us, never seen the righteous forsaken or received begging for bread. Mm-hmm. And yet we feel as if somehow, well, what happens if God isn't there? That's right, yeah. Well, let me flip the narrative. What happens if you don't obey God? That's right. and, and maybe that's the bigger question than each of every one of Absolutely. us. Am, am I suggesting that everybody listening right now are going to be on the next airplane to some jungle <laughs> somewhere? No. But to be that representative for Christ right where he's planted you be administering to the neighbor who's just gotten the cancer diagnosis to the coworker who's who's struggling with a wayward child that's that's experimenting with drugs wherever it might be if you're worried about not having the right words well two thoughts in mind number 1 get into the word more so that you'll be better better equipped to give an answer for the hope that lies within, and to exercise that faith muscle more, and just say, "Lord, I don't know what to say, but when I get there, will you give me the words, just as you yeah. did in the case of being in that in that village, sharing amongst hostile people, message that literally delivered them in some cases decades of being ensnared by the enemy yeah. in, into into." providing sacrifices to a false God when the real true God was sitting there waiting for them and instead they were cowering in fear because they don't want to upset all of the other gods realizing that what God requires of us simple surrender because the work that needed to be done to have that relationship with him he provided that means his son did all the work all we need to do is to bow down and surrender
3: absolutely and, you know, in this tribe, they they then planted, a church was planted then. So, you know, two, two uh, leaders, um, two of our church planters, um, they ended up going there and they started up uh, a church there. And then these people became church planters themselves. You see, oh, you, when you look at that, you, you're blown away. and You think, you know, nothing to do with me in a way. I mean, it was all God, but... But the fact that God can then, I always say, if God can use just a simple, ordinary guy like me, then God can use anybody, absolutely anybody. So, Mm -hmm. but again, it's just a matter of listening to what God is saying and doing it then. You know, not just listening, but then putting it into action,
1: you know, so. Well, Saul, Uh, Saul, really Saul, Saul, come on, not Saul. He's a persecutor of believers, God can't possibly, you got to be kidding. Look at this man's track record. Yeah, look at this man's track record. And after his Damascus Road experience, he goes on to arguably write the lion's share of the New Testament and the handbook, literally the handbook, for every functioning church to this day, yeah. mm-hmm. and yet if you'd looked at that in the flesh, if the if the pulpit committee got together and considered <laughs> <laughs> his resume, uh-huh. off the list, gone, you got to be kidding me, he's the least of the, and ironically, you look at, actually you look at the profile of any of the disciples and you would think, if I was on the the pulpit committee, or we were reviewing all of the resumes for the new hires, reject, reject, not a one of them, not a one of them had the qualifications necessary but one they were willing to surrender and be obedient. Is that the message, Pastor Shealy, for all of us? I know we're, we're talking about missions-related issues, and, and most people that are eavesdropping on this conversation are, are, are likely, I'm not discouraging them from, but they're likely not to wind up in the jungles of Borneo sharing their faith. But they, but they will be in the jungles of San Bruno and South San Francisco and Daly City and San Jose and and, and, and be called upon to be able to give that answer for the hope that lies within. Is that the core message here? That that, that if, if his little seed of faith can do that in the jungles of Borneo, imagine what God can do in your own life.
2: Yeah, I think there's a couple of uh, things that, that you brought to mind. I think that one of the prayer uh, prayers that we have is that God will bring people across our path, that he has prepared to receive the gospel. That he will prompt us and that we will be paying attention to the prompting of the Holy Spirit and respond by faith in obedience and open our mouth. And we ask then that God puts his words in our mouth for that person. So what they hear, they don't hear us. They hear the Lord speaking through us. Um, And, you know, I think it is important. uh, I think... for Christians to remind themselves and be reminded of the of the basic fundamentals of the Christian faith because you can get into all kinds of needless complexities when you're just trying to present the simple basic gospel the simple basic gospel is something children can understand and so uh, i think it would be it would be a beneficial investment of Christians time to Figure out if you had 30 seconds or, or 60 seconds or two minutes or whatever, the you might have different versions of it. How could you present the gospel? You just had that short period of time. Break it break down as simple as possible. Uh, and that also then helps bolster their uh, understanding of what the fundamental Christian faith is about as well. And I think there's another aspect, too, and that is that... Um, Unless God calls you clearly, uh, like he did Ronnie and, and the family, to go out and start a missions work in the middle of the jungle of Orneo, uh, that, that I, I would suggest you don't do that unless God has called you to do that. Uh, but what you can do is get acquainted with uh, missions work. Um, I am so thankful to God that he's brought Pastor Tony, because Pastor Tony is a uh, Wonderful missions, Pastor. I, I mentioned my dad and, and how missions has been a part of Church of the Highlands for the 60-plus years uh, that, that we've existed. And I can remember when I was in our youth ministry, and Pastor Mark Hinman, who's since gone on to be with the Lord, would uh, take, you know, 40, 50, 60, 70 of us to Mexico every year on a mission to Mexico. And many of the young people that experienced missions, first off, it transformed their relationship with Christ. But secondly, many of them ended up full time in ministry and missions work. As a result of that, over the years, I've they've come to mind, and, and if I was trying to total them up, it'd be in the dozens or hundreds of of young people that are now in full time missions work. And Pastor Tony has picked up that mantle, that that vision, that passion for uh, missions, and takes uh, groups around the world many times a year. So I think it'd be great to have him talk about
1: and i get the sense a big part of of certainly the approach from highlands is some people look at, at missions work as as sort of being a, a distinctive aspect of ministry it's something set apart from everything else we do we have missions week we invite a missionary or two to come and we'll have them come and talk and we'll raise a little bit of money and then at the end of the week we say okay we've done our missions work that's it till next year and we have to wait 51 weeks before we talk about missions once again now there might be some photographs on a board in the lobby that talks about who we're supporting. We might get an occasional newsletter. But beyond that, it's sold and separate from the day-to-day life and ministry of the church. And yet at Highlands, it seems to be not only integral, but an extension. If you've just joined us, some special guests with me today in studio, including Ronnie Haybor from Living Waters Village of Borneo, along with Pastor Leighton Sheely, Senior Pastor at Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. Let's take a brief time out. We'll come back to more of our conversation as Lifeline continues in just a moment.
0: Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's.